I'm gonna I'm gonna start the spiel. Uh, <laughs> hey everybody, uh, welcome to Next Two Nerds. My name is Amy, and my I have been besieged by a small, tiny invader who did not live to uh, to see his 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 uh, terrible deeds wrought. I don't know. <laughs> and my name is Shannon, and it is a mistake to fancy that horror is associated with darkness, silence, and solitude. Mm-hmm. That's our creepy racist H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah. Right oh, man. <laughs> I, I was talking with somebody about H.P. Lovecraft um, the other day, one of my teachers at school, and yeah, it was a similar situation of, man, sucks that he was a racist. Yeah, what a real fucking bummer. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know, we can we can delve into the Cthulhu stuffs and just kind of push him to the side, and we'll give Cthulhu all the credit. Exactly, and I believe a movie is being made based on, uh, you know... Lovecraftian horror stuff, but but based in the real in in the in the view that um the horror is like racism. Oh, I think yeah. There's a a series called uh, Lovecraft Nation or something. That's it. I believe that. Yeah, it. it popped up on like um our HBO. You know, like you would probably be into this thing. Um, I've not watched it yet, but I've heard a lot of really good things about it. It's supposed to be like super graphic, super true you know, as far as the whole racism aspect of it goes, but it also so showed, like, some really cool, dark and creepy shit, so. Right? Because it's, like, a lot of times when people try and translate, you know, Lovecraft to, to games or to a visual, visual, like, media, it kind of falls short because that, that unknowable horror is really hard to, you know, visualize. It is. Like, you can read about it, and you can sort of, like, feel it as you're reading it, but the visualizations often fall very short of the intended terror, I think. Yeah, exactly. Like, like I have a little pop figure Cthulhu, and he's adorable. Oh, yeah, a little, <laughs> little sweet Cthulhu. He's a good little squishy. <laughs> you know, it's like, so I, I love the idea of actually translating that to something that we can understand as a society to be, you know. Yeah, I think that's cool. I think that's very cool. It's a really nice idea, so hooray for that. Yeah, I have to check that out. What else have you checked out this week? Anything fun and exciting? Um, I actually, I've had sort of a Stephen King experience. Mm. And I did uh, Doctor Sleep, and I watched It, Chapters 1 and 2, finally. Yay. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you watched them. Uh, Doctor Sleep was amazing. Like, right? I, I, can't, I can't recommend it enough. And, like, I loved the book. I think the book is one of the best things he's written in the past decade and the movie was a just like a perfect representation of it the casting was fucking awesome perfect right like oh like ewan mcgregor just breaks my heart like i love that man so much adult danny torrance is such a sad character anyway and ewan mcgregor has this special like sweet like soft smiling melancholy that he does like yeah you see it in so many characters that he plays like you saw it even with like Renton in train spotting like there was you know there's a sadness there and that really translates and uh Rebecca Ferguson who played Rose the Hat and yes. she's gonna be in the upcoming Dune movie I had never seen her in anything so seeing Same. her in that I was like 
oh shit, I'm excited. She was so good. <laughs> oh, she was freaking just so on board. Uh. Yeah. And I just, I love me like an evil, powerful female. Like that's, that's some good shit right there. Right? Like, I was getting big Missy vibes from her. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Oh, she was, yeah. She was like super sexy and like strong and powerful and smart and just like in charge. Very cool. Right? It's like, I should hate you, but I kind of love you. So. Right. Like I couldn't help but be like, yeah, all right. I give you the nod. <laughs> <laughs> It's cool. And yeah, and it just, for me, it corrected so many of the missteps of the classic Shining movie, which I do love for what it is, but it's not what I wanted it to be. So, like, Dr. Sleep was perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I good. I agree. So good. And um, it, chapter one and two, I enjoyed both of them, but part one is much better than part two, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. And I, th I feel like that goes into the, you know, what they kind of have to do to split up the book by making it, you know, part yeah. one is your kids and the actual, like, action, and part two is kind of not as action-y. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Stephen King, he always shines when he writes for children. Like... <laughs> shines. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that was great, because I didn't even realize I did that. That was awesome. <laughs> But, like, he writes such great kids, like, you know, like, in the body, like, just, he, he has a very firm grasp on what it is to be put into situations as a child and what their reactions would be and how they would cope, you know? Yeah, it's, it's very and good. It's so good. And part two was, it was a little goofier because it's very special effects heavy, which isn't really my jam. Yeah. But. Um, it was really good that all the actors did a great job, particularly Bill Hader, who is the best thing in that movie. I love Bill Hader so much. God, he's fucking great. Right? He's so good. Yeah. So good. And, you know, Bill, Bill Skarsgård is fucking terrifying. Mm -hmm. Like, he's, he's great. Um, I, I am more scared of Tim Curry's Pennywise, but Bill Skarsgård brought something very cool to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Tim Curry's Pennywise is kind of like, you know, he's goofy on the outside, but creepy on the inside sort of situation. Yeah. And my my friend Sarah, actually, she articulated it in the way that Tim Curry, even though it's not, he's more of a man who is a monster, whereas Bill Skarsgård is this supernatural entity. Yeah. And like yeah. the differentiation, I think, is what made it spookier for me, because it was just like, holy shit, like. Tim Curry's Pennywise might actually sneak into my house. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. Yeah, Tim Curry's Pennywise is kind of like, what the hell is the name of the guy who was, was going around? What the hell is the name of Clown Killer Man? John yeah. Wayne Gacy? Yeah, he's, he's like a John Wayne Gacy situation. Yeah, totally creepy. Just, no yeah. thank you. I agree. No thank you. I agree, um, man. But yeah, those those have been my spookums for for the past week or so. How about how about you? How have you been spooking it up? I've been spooking it up by um well well this week as as I I've, I'm coming to realize that you're probably focusing on your Stephen King, uh, spookums for today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of dove down a hole for um the Evil Dead. So. Uh, oh fuck yeah. Yeah, I nice. I love me some Bruce Campbell. That's awesome. That's rad as hell. And uh, I actually watched, there was a version, and it's on YouTube, so you can find it, um, of the Evil Dead musical that happened. Oh, 
that's dope. It's kind of yeah. great too. It's like it's it's very it's very like along the lines of like a Rocky Horror Picture Show sort of vibe, and it's it's very good. Nice. That's awesome. Would would highly recommend. Oh, I'll totally check that out. That sounds dope. So I'm doing that spookums, and then I actually I wanted to do a quick shout out to something that I watched today, which I know we were talking about. Um, how we felt about the whole Mulan movie, even though we hadn't seen it last time. Yeah, yeah. And um, I actually, it popped up in my YouTube for like things that I would like to watch. Um, this woman created a YouTube account specifically to talk about the Mulan movie. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, but she is a, um, you know, uh, she is from, she spent like half of her life, she's from China. She is Chinese in descent. Her name is, um, I'm gonna, and I'm gonna butcher it, but it's Ziran J. Zhao. And she is. She did a really good video about the things in the 2020 Mulan movie that, like, did a really nice job breaking down what culturally was inaccurate and and how, you know, it was very obvious that this was Chinese culture through the lens of a bunch of white people. Gotcha. Okay, that's cool though. And she is actually uh, towards the end of the video pointed out that she is a like science fiction author. And has a book coming out next year. So check her out. I'll probably put the name in the description of this episode when it goes up. But uh, Oh, that's dope. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. And she didn't feel like she was being a jerk while she was, uh, you know, criticizing it. it. It felt like a genuine, like, here's what's, what went wrong culturally with this movie. And here's what I think they could have done to make it better or to fix I like things. that. I feel like that's a much more helpful take than just, like, attacking things. Like, if you're constructive about it, it helps people understand why they need to do better. Yeah. But, um, that's I'll, really I'll, cool. I'll actually I'll post the link to the video so you can watch it later. But uh, Awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out because I'm very curious about that. So Yeah, it was really good. It was really good. I was like, wow, this is, like, really well thought out, and I'm so glad that someone did this who can, like, articulate their thoughts together and kind of... Also, her fucking makeup is on point, and, uh, yeah. Nice. Seems like a super cool person. But, yeah. Yeah, so that's what I did. Yay! <laughs> that was me. That's rad as hell. So I'm excited that we kind of each picked a, uh, 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 uh a path. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, you're totally right. Like, I stuck pretty much mainly with Stephen King with a slight deviation from my crush of the week, but not an unexpected deviation, so. Ooh, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm very excited. The thing is, we gotta do, like, our meh of the week, and, like, I've, I've like, racked my brain with things that I would want to talk about and can't really, like... Other than the fact that, you know, everybody wants a new Evil Dead and I don't think it should happen kind of situation. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I agree with you on that. I think we should kind of honor all of the things in that universe that we have and maybe maybe do something new, you know? like Yeah, like the, honestly, the 2013 remake thing was like kind of cool. I like what they did with it. Yeah, yeah, and the Ash versus the Evil Dead. Yes. Like that's that's fucking cool, but like I think I think we're good. Like you know, we went from, you know, really really campy, cheap budget but very well done horror effects movie to very like thrillery 
again, effects heavy, probably the perfection of the, I, 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 would, I would say that Evil Dead 2 is probably my favorite, and, and I think the perfection of that kind of, what they were going for. Yeah. And yeah, then, that, you know, crazy, ridiculous, like, action comedy of Army of Darkness. It's just like, it's just leave it as, as that. That's perfect. Right. You covered all your bases, you got it done, and we love you. Right, <laughs> right. Moving on. <laughs> I definitely agree with you on that, for sure. I guess the only meh thing that I can really, really say is that whole initial, and even Sam Raimi was like, I was a stupid kid and I don't know why we kept, we kept that scene in the movie. Where um where Cheryl gets basically like raped by trees, and yeah yeah that's an oof. Rape. It's kind of like um well oh all right this is in the movie oh okay it sure is. this is here <laughs> this is here and I love that that afterwards Remy was like I was a stupid twenty year old and I don't know why I felt like I had to be that edgy. Like, right, like I think that's just he he knows that's a case of him trying to be an edge lord as a young dude and he's like yeah sorry <laughs> exactly exactly but you know that's that's i guess I, yeah that counts anytime anytime there's like creepy stuff like that that people put into a movie for the sake of you know shocking people yeah i'm i'm not into that like i i don't need that you can you can slash them up and you can chop them up and you can burn them up but you know I don't really feel like the rape serves the story. There's other things you could be doing. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad that he acknowledged the fact that he was like, yeah, I don't like to shock and disturb my audience in that way, and that's that's not what I should have, you know, gone for. And yeah, whoopsie, whoopsie. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> whoopsie Sorry daisy. about that, guys. What about, what about you? What are you thinking for your, like, meh of the week? For me, it was actually surprisingly easy. Um, it's not just one person. My meh of the week is the disparity of the movie versions of Jack and Wendy Torrance to the versions of Jack and Wendy Torrance that we see in the book, The Shining. It's something that I've always struggled with because I, I do enjoy the movie and it definitely deserves its place in you know the annals of classic horror films but I feel like the movie does such a disservice to the characters of Wendy and Jack because in the books they're so much more layered and you're so much more invested in them in the book Wendy is this quietly fierce mama bear who will do anything to protect her son right. and she's desperately holding on to the hope that this time the man she loves is going to be strong enough to keep his word to his family and that things are going to turn around. Like, she has this quiet strength of a woman who is desperately trying to hold her family together. And Shelley did a great job in the movie. I like her performance. It's just not the character from the book. And Kubrick is really to blame for that because I've read tons of stuff about how he treated her and how he treats women in general. Yeah, yeah I think um, that a lot of that is a big Kubrick being a absolutely. jerk. Absolutely. Like, in the movie, she's just this weak, crying mess who basically does nothing. And yeah. it you don't really respect her in the movie. Um, but in the book, she's very different. And she has this, you know, like, low, vibrating tenacity that kind of carries her through the entire events of the book. And with Jack, like, 
this is something that's like really near and dear to my heart. Like Jack Torrance in the book, he's, it starts off and he's a recovering alcoholic and he's trying so hard to do the right thing for his family and to like be sober and to make a living and to keep them safe and happy because he knows he's fucked up so badly in the past. And he's trying to kind of like earn his right to his family back. And even in the book, like after the overlook has possessed him, he uses the very last bit of his free will to save his son. And it's kind of this redeeming moment where it's like a big fuck you to, you know, like his, his struggle with addiction and his struggles with his mental health, because he's able to give his son that chance to grow up. And in the movie, he's like an unflinchingly awful, irredeemable asshole. Like, yeah, yeah. And and like what you said in, in Dr. Sleep, I feel like the, the film of Dr. Sleep that it just goes in such a better direction than The Shining. I feel like they kind of try and bring it back a little bit with the, some of the flashbacky kind of stuff. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. They kind of like give you these pieces that, you know, were missing from the original Shining. Like you, you know that he does love his family and that, you know, he's really sad for the person that he is and they give Danny that opportunity where he's like fuck you I don't want the drink I don't want this I'm gonna destroy you and he is able to draw from his own internal strength the way that his father tried to and it's you know it's like he does it for his dad basically to you know be the man that his dad was trying so hard to be and I think that's so powerful yeah yeah so that's really it like I the movie versions of those two characters just it, they don't cut it for me and they're the cast is great at what they're giving in the movie it's just not true to the source or what i wanted right. and little spoiler alert just for anyone you know spoilers skip this for a really old book and an old it, movie yeah <laughs> skip this if you have not yet read the book or seen the movie but they kill off like the most important character and the only character of color yeah like you don't kill off Dick. Dick is so important. Like, he's the crux of, like, basically the, all of the events in that book. Like, Danny wouldn't be able to know what was going on if it weren't for Dick. And then moving forward, revisiting in Dr. Sleep, like, Dick is very important to who Danny becomes in life. And exactly. that's just such an arbitrary change to make. Like, why would you do that? Yeah, and then he, even in the movie, even when he's not uh, dead... <laughs> it's he's not really present you know right like they don't really show him as being as integral as he is so that's that's my meh of the week is just kind of Kubrick's treatment of the source material the end product is visually stunning and I watch it every year like I'm not gonna say I don't like it but it's very different from what it should have been in my opinion yeah, yeah. I think I think what like you said, what Doctor Sleep turned out to be is a lot more what we wanted. Absolutely. There's there's that warmth and that innate I don't know, like there's a hope in it, which I feel like Stephen King is very good at instilling in all of his work. Like never in anything that I read by him is there a complete hopelessness. There's always that tiny spark of human spirit to overcome and I think that's what makes his stuff so attractive yeah I would agree I would definitely agree and and yeah the, I mean the Kubrick movie is, is good it's 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 a good film it's just a horror film 
and The Shining is not just a horror book. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's it exactly. So that's that's my meh of the week. That's fair. <laughs> nice. Heck cool. yeah. Did you end up reading The Jaunt, by the way? I can't remember. I did read The Jaunt, and holy fucking shit. Right? <laughs> I... I, I had one of my students for, because I'm teaching in a couple of English classes as well, I had a student read that and we talked about it um, in class, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was some fucking wild shit, dude. Like, it actually, like, it gave me chills, because I was thinking about it, and where we are as a society, things like that become more and more plausible, you know? Right. And the, the and last lines that it's longer than you think. It's it's longer than you think. I'm like, oh God, I'm I'm terrified. Chilling. Chilling. Yeah, it was fucking so good. I'm so glad you told me about that because I don't believe that I'd ever read that one before. Yeah. And and my kid even pointed out he was like, it didn't feel like a Stephen King story in a lot of ways. I was like, yeah, it really doesn't. <laughs> it didn't. Like it had like such a, a different vibe to it, but I really liked it. It was fucked up. Right? <laughs> right? Super like that's I think like really early on in his uh in his career. I think he was writing for like some I like Twilight Zoney kind of magazine or something for it. That sounds right, yeah. Cause it feels um, like an episode of the Twilight Zone. It really does. <laughs> it you could feel Rod Sterling like coming in and being like, here we are, blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, human tech, human invention can be a blessing and a curse. <laughs> Smoking a cigarette. <laughs> With his little suit and his thin tie. I know. Uh, that, that'll, that'll be one. Oh, man. That, that'll be like next week is, is Twilight Zone. Gotta love the Twilight Zone. Love Rod Serling. <laughs> Great. But he's not my crush of the week this week. <laughs> or yours, I would assume. No, no, he's not. But I am I am curious to hear about who your spooky crush is. So, I mean, like, I know I told you that I just went, like, down down a rabbit hole of, uh, you know, Evil Dead. And that's that's where I came out. I came out in my final my final two parts of our segment here are, are both a very specific person. And we're just going to say that the crush of the week is going to be Bruce Campbell because he's great. Uh, <laughs> great he's a good dude he is a good dude oh like, i'm excited so like first of all and you forget a lot of this but especially re-watching stuff with the evil dead and particularly in uh in two where he is battling his own hand oh my god that's that's all bruce campbell doing all that nonsense he's doing he's doing like stop hitting yourself but like throwing himself all over that tiny little <laughs> You're right, because, like, in hindsight, like, that's really impressive, like, physical space work. Like, holy shit. He does a lot of really good, like, physical work in those films, and especially, like, in that, where he's fighting his hand. That is, like, a big one. So good. And I think oh it's in God. two as well, that whole uncut scene where he's being chased by, you know, the the unknowable evil that is the camera, that is Sam Raimi with a camera. Uh, yeah. Like through the house, and they're like going through these little corridors in the house, and it's like one continuous take, and it's just amazing to me that none of them like hit their heads on shit and <laughs> right knock themselves out. I mean, I, like kudos to that entire cast for like especially those first two films of just going through hell to make this movie. Yeah, yeah, 
uh, apparently hero syrup. <laughs> yeah, right. Apparently, um, Bruce Campbell had like sprained his leg at one point, and and Sam Raimi would just like poke it sometimes. Oh my god! Because he's crazy. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! I, I love the dynamic of their relationship. It's it, it's really the combination of the two of them that just makes me real happy. Honestly, they're super good together. They're like they're like siblings, like. And, and I love his quote about Evil Dead 4. So this is Campbell's quote about Evil Dead 4. Uh, everybody says Evil Dead 4, Evil Dead 4. You know if we did an Evil Dead 4, Sam Raimi would spend $200 million on it and it would bomb. It's like, I love him. <laughs> it's so true. He's not wrong. He's no. like 100% honest. Like, that's fucking great. Exactly. And like, he does I, the evil Ash and the dead, Deadite Je- Ash stuff is is so cool looking and that he's still doing all of that work too uh, yeah he's fucking great evil ash is is a favorite of mine <laughs> yeah evil ash is real solid and and that he is in all that makeup for for army of darkness is so good yeah <laughs> and i mean it's he, he gets to say my favorite word of all time and says it as his catchphrase he says groovy just perpetually <laughs> Oh, yeah. I do think of you every time I hear the word groovy. <laughs> I do say groovy a lot, and I, I can't, like, pinpoint the time when I started to say it a lot, and I think it's just because it's been ingrained into into my brain. It's now part of your 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 matter and your makeup. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's part of my whole persona. If I can, like, if I could cut off my hand and put a chainsaw on it, I mean, yeah, I'd do that. Yeah, you you need that. That's need obviously that. useful. Like, <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, he gets a robot arm arm for it too. So it's like you know. Yeah. He even and like every version of Ash, he like owns this character, and I feel like he's in every portrayal of this character. Like, there's a um, there is a game called Poker Night at the Inventory, which has um, it's a Steam, it's like a Valve original game, I believe. And it has characters from, like, point-and-clicks like Sam and Max. Um, it's got uh, Portal stuff in there. It's got GLaDOS from Portal. It's got, you know, mostly video game characters. And and also, Ashley Williams is there, and it's Bruce Campbell doing his voice for it. And it's great. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, my God. Anyone who embraces that, that B-movie nature is, is, like, he's like, I know, I know what. I know what my role is, and I love it. it. it well, he called his book "If Chins Could Kill." Yeah, <laughs> so true. <laughs> so good. Yeah, he has such a great sense of humor about everything that he's done. Like, there's not like you know any ego. He's just like, "This is my fucking job. This is what I do." Like, <laughs> right? And I feel like any other person would like kind of, especially with characters like. Ash, somebody, anybody else would be like, yeah, you know, he's 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 learned so much and he's become so much over over the course of blah blah blah. He's like, no, nah, Ash is an idiot. Like he can fight and shit, but he's a dummy. <laughs> yeah, he he just embraces the cheese and he's like, no, he's just like a badass idiot. Like <laughs> he's a stupid like twenty something who works at Smart. That's that's it. Embrace that. Yeah, some some uh some characters don't need like 
a super intense developmental arc where they become more than they are. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I think, I don't know if, if when, I know the original intention of Evil, the first Evil Dead was to be this very, very visceral and gory sort of horror movie be, to kind of combat the whole idea that, you know, the gore and everything wasn't scary, but it really evolved into something that was not only, I, I feel like the video games of the 90s and the early 2000s, like, went in that direction. Like, your dooms, your, you know, things that said, yeah, this is all the gore, this is all the cool horror stuff, but it's cool and it's fun and let's make it cool and fun. Yeah, yeah, there, there was no ego about it they were just trying to genuinely embrace what they were good at and i think that's really cool there's something very pure about that yeah and it's it's just cool that you know two pals went let's you know make a movie yeah in the like, middle of the woods <laughs> like fucking 20 year old kids made this movie that has stood the test of time and it's a cult classic and everyone still watches it and talks about it all these years later like right so, you know what, kudos to both of them, but especially to Bruce Campbell, who is also um, uh, an ordained minister, so he can marry people. So, oh, Shannon, I want God. this to be my, my, my audio will in this situation, that, you know, if I ever do get married, what you need to do is to get Bruce Campbell for me. I will, I will make sure that I have the means to contact him. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> That's all I ask. <laughs> I got you, pal. No worries. Thanks, dude. <laughs> so yeah, he's my crush of the week, Bruce Campbell. Oh, he's a good one. I to the king, baby. Oh yay! I I wholeheartedly approve. Thanks, dude. Who's your crush of the week? I'm excited. Well, I I almost picked Brandon Lee from The Crow, mm-hmm. but I I did not because ultimately I don't really think he's spooky. I think he's tragic. Um, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. So I dipped into my beloved Buffy first, and my crush of the week is Spike. Yay! Oh, man. Also known as William the Bloody, and also known as Randy Giles, lest we forget. <laughs> lest we forget. We will not forget. <laughs> um, played by the super talented and ridiculously cheekboned James Marsters. Yeah, man, that dude, that dude has got some cheekbones. It, I looked at a bunch, a bunch of pictures of him, and it's just, it. He seems like a drawing of a man with really good cheekbones, right? <laughs> As someone with pretty like big cheekbones that is very self conscious of them, I'm I'm at least happy that they are not so comically accentuated. <laughs> yeah, like he, you know, he fucking owns it. Like he's not just a great villain because he is a great villain. But he also becomes a great anti-hero. Like, yeah. his story arc and character development is, like, one of the most satisfying in the whole Buffy series. Um, he's an angry, sad boy with a heart of gold, which, as we both know, is a trope that I am a sucker for. Yeah. Um, you know, like, <laughs> I, I can't help it. And he stole his, like, he stole his looks from, like, the punk scene. And Billy Idol stole his look, as as the story goes. So that's yeah, right. kind of cool. Kind of great. Um, I fucking love that. Um, 
his falling in love with Buffy and the subsequent battle to regain his soul so that, like, he can be good enough for her, it has such great emotional payoff. Like, I find him infinitely more likable than Angel because Angel's sort of like, I'm so sad and tortured. I don't. You can't. I'm a loner. (laughs) I feel like we've discussed this before where these characters who are that are, like, everybody that we dated in, like, high school. So it's like... I don't, I don't need that anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't need that at all. Like, whereas Fuck is like, fuck this, I do what I want, and right now I've decided that I want you, so fuck it, this is what I'm doing. Like, he's just very impetuous, very in the moment, and just sort of a, I don't know, like, a seize the night sort of vampire, which I fucking dig. Like, yeah. Angel comes across as, like, super passive-aggressive and kind of manipulative, whereas Spike is, like, really direct and of abrasive but like he puts in the work like he's not going to ask anyone for anything that he can't get himself right so i i respect that like he's he's the working man's vampire he's the everyman vampire (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) like ultimately he sacrifices himself to close the hellmouth for good and if that's not rad i don't know what is yes it's pretty freaking rad i mean yeah like he's (laughs) He's a fully three-dimensional character in a world where it would have been very easy for him to be, like, this cookie-cutter archetype. But whether it's just, like, super good writing or his performance or just the combination of both, like, you can invest in him because he invests in himself. And it's just, I don't know, he's he's a very relatable, likable character that could have been very easily like too horrible or too sad and tragic but he walks that fine line of you know being being a sad boy but without kind of falling into the hole too much and in the comics he actually winds up sharing an apartment with Xander and it's this super adorable odd couple like one of them super neat and one of them super messy like I love that oh I haven't read the comics for for Buffy and I I I guess I need to do that now (laughs) It's it's really cute and um, his his development in that like continues to be super impressive and that's why Spike is my crush of the week best vampire ever. He's a good crush of the week and he's such a he Angel is like such a kind of boring and two dimensional character where Spike feels like he's a lot more realized and he really is and it's a much more believable like I always have a problem with vampires who just kind of like don't have any fun because yeah. like. If you have immortality, like, you should have a little fun. Mm-hmm. Like, you might have a few years where you go and you, you, you do some mess-em-ups and you, you get a little crazy, you know? like Exactly. Be like the start and, you know, start a, start a weird band and... <laughs> right? Yeah. And just all the stuff with him and Drusilla, like, I love them. They're such a great, like, wacky fucking team and... You know, Juliet Landau is gorgeous and weird, and I I enjoy their sort of undead Romeo and Juliet bullshit a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hard agree, hard agree, man. That that most of Joss Whedon stuff has that underlying humor that really helps humanize a lot of things that could be just you know too much, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I didn't really I couldn't really find anyone to crush on within the Stephen King universe. Um, so <laughs> really, I'm so surprised. A bunch of not a bunch of ten year olds, not some dude who 
buries his daughter in a pet cemetery, not, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, uh, so we did a little foray into the Buffyverse for that, but that's okay. That's okay. We can do what we want. Gosh dang it. We do what we want. Darn it. <laughs> heckin', heckin' jeez. Jeez and beans. So, I'm super curious... To who you decided to to do some D and D stuffs to? I did go like full on uh, Bruce Campbell and just made an Ashley Williams. So, <laughs> <laughs> yay! <laughs> and I didn't know how easy it was going to be to do, but honestly, it was not that hard. And it, I really, really, it's probably one of. The, my favorite characters that I've made, if I'm being totally oh, honest. Oh, that's fucking awesome! Yay! Yeah, so I mean, I, I made, I mean, obviously I made Ashley Williams. He's a basic human. He ain't gotten on the special. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I started him off as a fighter. Okay, well that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like it, it's great because the kind of character progression between those three films for Ash is very much like leveling up in D&D. Oh, for sure. You yeah. know, like he starts off as this this weak scrawny boy who's afraid to do anything and yeah. becomes like a kind of arrogant, cocky like, you know, keeper of the Necronomicon dude. So like Ash rushes in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ash rushes in, which is why we start with fighter. I went like uh I went like six levels into fighter for yeah so so like for his proficiencies um I picked acrobatics and survival which I feel like pretty much describes yeah, <laughs> yeah that totally tracks especially that first movie and 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 yeah to agree degree the the second movie too is this very you know just how how does he do it that's how he does it. <laughs> And I gave him two weapon fighting for his fighting style, which is going to make a lot of sense as we go further on. And I think already probably makes some sense. Yeah, no, it, you know, I get it. The hands, you know, yeah. the chainsaw. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, of course, fighters are great because they get, like, second wind and action surge. And, you know, he's, he's, hard, to, he's hard to bring down for all those times that he becomes a, a deadite and then, you know, looks at that weird necklace and... <laughs> remembers his his girlfriend of like two seconds and becomes better uh, <laughs> so I, I did make him a gunslinger though to go back into the critical role content nice because uh, obviously he's got this is my boomstick and he used it gotta gotta have the boomstick gotta have the boomstick um so like his trick shots that i went with for this one we're dead eye shot, which is uh, you can use a grit point to get an uh, attack fan, a attack roll advantage, and a cool one, which is winging shot, which um, you make uh, they make a strength saving throw and they can be pushed back or not prone, which is cool. Nice. They they feel like fairly good, uh, cool little things in there, and they get that extra attack at fifth level, and I went to sixth level, and then after that, I went into blood hunter. Nice. Get that more critical role in there because it, it feels like it works, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's very on the nose. Yeah. Um, 
so they get the cool blood curses and stuff. Um, I went with a Curse of the a uh, the Marked, Curse of the Muddled Mind, Curse of Binding, and Curse of the Fallen Puppet, which there were these really cool, like we kind of went over the last time I made Blood Hunter, but um, they basically make you make make your opponents make saving throws for certain things and you know yeah yeah it's cool it's good like crowd control kind of stuff yeah absolutely and then they also get a fighting style so i again went with two weapon fighting for this because you know he's got he's got boomstick and he's got you know uh chainsaw hand yeah that's dual wielding yeah exactly (laughs) uh they get an order you get an order as a uh as a blood hunter, so I went Order of the Ghost Slayer, which you know tracks the most. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's how you kill the demons and the ghosts and things. So get those undeads. Yes, gets those undeads, and you get like uh, your weapon can like get you get this ability called like Right of Dawn. So your right damage is radiant damage. So it's better against you know your undead stuff. Very cool. And you have a resistance to necrotic damage, which, again, it, it tracks. So, hooray. Super useful in his lifestyle. Exactly. In his line of work, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, so this is a cool little feature of it. You get grim uh, psychometry, which uh, when you reach ninth level, you have a supernatural talent for discerning the history surrounding mysterious objects or places touched by evil. When making it oh. Yeah, so when making an intelligence uh, history check to recall information about a darker past surrounding an object you are touching or a location you're present in, you have advantage on the roll. So. That's fucking dope. He's got some, he's got some Necronomicon knowledge at this point. He's been to 1300. He's, he's, he's been, he's been around. He knows a little bit. He's seen some things. Some stuff and some things. Yep, yep. Uh, (laughs) what I, what I really like is, um... They get heart and soul at fourteenth level. Nice. Uh, which is saving through. Yeah, you have advantage on saving throws against being charmed and frightened, which again I think fits. Yeah, that's that's super useful. That definitely tracks. And 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 again, I also feel like it's it's kind of nice that it makes sense in terms of him evolving through the course of the films because it feels like yeah he started in a place where he was not a good at anything really. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He was just, like, a dumb kid who wanted to, like, spend the weekend with his friends. Yeah, exactly. So he kind of evolves into this person who's, you know, had had some shit happen. Battle-worn. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, um, in terms of doing it standard array and then with all the ability score improvements, he ends up with a strength 16, dexterity 20, constitution 14... Intelligence 10, Wisdom 14, and Charisma 14. Nice. Yeah. I, yeah, had to dump had to dump intelligence. He's not he's not a smart boy. He's not the smartest boy. Like I'm he's not the dumbest, but I no one would describe him as smart. No. no he tries. <laughs> he tries, but gosh dang, he's he's not a smart boy. He tries real hard. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so um I feel like the background haunted one fits him very well. Yes. Hard agree. Yeah. Um, so they get uh, two skill proficiencies in two languages, which is nice. So I gave him investigation and religion. Nice. And infernal and abyssal for languages. I feel like that's... Uh... Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
And I love that the background feature is called Heart of Darkness. I had forgotten. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, pe- people know. People know that you've seen some shit. And he acts like that in the later, you know, as, as the series of movies goes on. <laughs> so Yeah, as it progresses. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. So let me go through some traits while I'm here. By the way, I believe I've made yet another chaotic good because I feel like that is <laughs> the most chaotic. Because he's a good, he's a good, he, he makes some questionable decisions at some points, but he, 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 he is, in general. He's a good. Yeah. yeah. He, he's willing to risk it for everybody in the end, you know. Yeah. Kind of do. Yeah. So uh, I don't run from evil. Evil, evil runs from me. Uh, I expect danger around every corner. Yeah. Uh, I don't talk about the thing that torments me. I'd rather not burden others with my curse. So, yeah. He's always about that. Always about that life. Uh, Ideals. (laughs) I kill monsters to make the world a safer place and exercise my own demons. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I help those in need, no matter the personal cost. So, yeah. Yeah. Very, very on the nose. Right. In, uh, in... Uh, in three, in arm, in army of darkness, he kind of almost doesn't do that, but ends up doing it. Yeah. Is it probably just to like bone a lady? Yes, but you know, it's well, you know, whatever the motivation, he still does the thing. He did it so. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so bonds, there is an evil in me. I can feel it. It must never be set free. Yeah. Yeah, big time. Yeah. <laughs> And I put a terrible guilt consumes me. Uh, I hope that I can find redemption through my actions. I feel like that's also fair. That, yeah, and he definitely lives with the guilt of like what happened to his friends and stuff. And I'm sure he feels like if he had done more sooner, he could have helped more, you know? Right, right. Especially in the first movie version of everything. He's very much a background like force in a lot of what's yeah. going on, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the flaws for for uh, Haunted One don't super fit him. I, I put, I feel no compassion for the dead. They're the lucky ones. But, like, his flaws are very much based on just that he is not the smartest person in the room. <laughs> it, it, yeah, that's pretty much all. It, it's just, like, he can't really figure out what he needs to do fast enough. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I end and enough so for his weapons I can end up you can end up using a shotgun in a in a this version that I picked and uh I gave him like a double bladed scimitar and I feel like that's the closest thing to a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's there's not a whole lot of chainsaws in the the D&D world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not not really a good uh, you know, fantasy chainsaw. <laughs> no, unfortunately. Sadly, one day Get on that. Get on that uh, homebrew content, people. I'm sure there's something somewhere. Maybe one day some crafty gnome or artificer will... Make a chainsaw. <laughs> Make a chainsaw. <laughs> That'd be great. But yeah, so so that's that's Ashley Williams, Slashy Ashy. Everybody's favorite Slashy boy. Oh, so good. Thank you. And, I, and it looks like it's a fun build to play and is pretty versatile and I like it so yeah it sounds super fun now I want to play it again <laughs> nice so who would you pick I'm really excited to see who you picked 
Well, I have for the first time ever done a straight up evil. I'm so um, excited. I have never built an evil character before. Um, and it was surprisingly fun. <laughs> I'm so excited. So I picked uh, Pennywise, the clown. Oh. It. Uh, <laughs> Very excited. Um, yeah, so Pennywise is this ancient cosmic entity with the ability to shapeshift and manipulate. Um, so I, for the race, I went with Fallen Asimar. Oh, that's a good idea. Uh, it seemed it seemed like that I, I was going to do like a tiefling, you know, because there's that whole infernal thing, but it it is not of this world. So I figured yeah. kind of the closest would be a celestial being, but yeah. definitely not a good celestial being. I would um, agree. Something more on the godlike terms of it, not just like, you know, yes. tieflings are. Yeah, very much so. Um, so as a fallen Asmar, um, you get a plus one to your strength. And you get Necrotic Shroud. Um, so starting at third level, you can use your action to unleash your divine energy, uh, which causes your eyes to turn into pools of darkness and two skeletal ghostly flightless wings sprout from your back. So cool. The, it's so fucking cool, right? It's so cool. Um, the instant you transform, other creatures within 10 feet of you must succeed on a charisma saving throw or they become frightened until the end of your next turn. So cool. Um, like even yeah. even in like Critical Role when when Yasha does it, it's yeah. so metal and cool. I yeah. love it. <laughs> it's fucking dope. It's fucking sick as hell. Um and I Pennywise quite literally feeds on fear. Like the more frightened mm -hmm. its quarry is, the better. So like that's why it preys on little kids because children's fears are easier to manipulate and exacerbate to elicit that stronger response. So right. I figured that kind of tracks with what Pennywise is all about. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, for class, I went with Warlock. Um, yeah. So you get two skill proficiencies. I picked Deception and Intimidation. Mm -hmm. um, and then for uh, Cantrips, uh, I picked um, Minor Illusion and Mind Sliver which um, you drive a disorienting spike of psychic energy into the mind of one creature you see within range. Um, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's a perfect spell for him, honestly. Yeah, I figured that was pretty right in line with what he does. And then uh, for spells, I picked Cause Fear, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Charm Person. Uh, because initially, it kind of tries to use its charm and charisma to draw children in and get them you know, closer in range and, you know, into its grasp so that it can fucking chomp down on them and eat their fear. Right. Um, <laughs> for um, the otherworldly patron, I picked the great old one. Yep. I, that just, that seemed right. Um, yep, that's all, that's all I got for you on that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly that one. Um, at second level, you get Eldritch Invocation. Um you get to start with two, so I picked Beguiling Influence, which gives you proficiency in deception and persuasion. Um, and False Life, which is you bolster yourself with a necromantic facsimile of life. Uh, you gain 1d4 um, to your temporary HP. So I feel like that kind of 
that kind of tracks, yeah. Absolutely. Um, at third level, you get your Pact Boon. So I picked uh, Pact of the Tome. Uh, your patron gives you a grimoire called A Book of Shadows, and you can choose any th- create three cantrips from any class spell list. Um, you get to decide what your Book of Shadows looks like. So I decided that its Book of Shadows is a small book bound in little pieces of flesh from each of its victims. Heck yeah. And it's filled with like thousands of different handwritings and languages and of each of its victims' greatest fears. So that's like, it's, you know, where it gets its power from. I love um, For the cantrips, I picked Alter Self from Wizards because um, Pennywise shapeshifts to be whatever someone fears the most or whatever's going to fuck them up the most. Um, I picked Blink from the Sorcerer Wizard. Um, I figured that could kind of represent its hibernation period in between feedings, like that 27 years, it could, you know, blink into the ethereal plane and hide out and sleep and then come back. That's Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like, it's not exactly what that spell is for, but I figured it was a good representation. Yeah. Um, And then I did detect thoughts from Bard, Sorcerer, Wizard. Like, it literally reads people's deepest, darkest fears and secrets to manipulate them. So... Um, at fourth level, you get Polymorph, uh, which is always cool. Um, and it changes all of its victims into like these monstrous, horrifying versions of themselves and then uses those abominations to taunt its new victims. So I figured that would be useful. Um, uh, at seventh level, you get the Eldritch Invocation of Bewitching Whispers, which allows you to cast Compulsion, which comes in handy. Um, and then at 11th level, your patron bestows upon you a secret called Arcanum, and you can choose one 6th level spell that you can cast without using a spell slot. So I picked Programmed Illusion. Um, you get to create an illusion of an object, creature, or some other visible phenomenon, and it activates when a specific condition occurs. I thought that would be good for when the children are separated or are alone, and then Pennywise uses their isolation to kind of do something fucked up to them and freak them out. Yeah. And I love um, that that's, yeah, it doesn't cost a spell slot. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause then you could do it like multiple times a day, you know, with different victims. Yeah. Um, and then at 20th level, your Eldritch master, which, you know, that <laughs> pretty much, pretty much covers that's pretty it. Much it. Yep. That's yeah. <laughs> um, for the standard array I did, you know, charisma, the highest, and then wisdom, um, constitution, intelligent, dex, and then strength being the least. Because I don't think that Pennywise is particularly strong physically no. necessarily. It's all like mental manipulation and illusion and all that sort of shit. So uh, for the background, I picked Charlatan. Um, I like that. Yeah, I mean, it is a fucking liar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and that gives you the skill proficiencies in deception and sleight of hand. It also gives you the proficiency with the disguise and the forgery kit. So that would come in handy. Yeah. Um, for favorite scam, I picked I insinuate myself into people's lives to prey on their weakness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, for trait, I picked I have a joke for every occasion, especially occasions where humor is inappropriate. <laughs> it's perfect. 
Ew, ew, clown, ew. Ew. Um, for ideals, none of them really fit. So I went with a custom one, and I'm simply just saying hunger. Like that's that's really it. Like yeah. it just it feeds. Yeah, that's its that's it. Main motivation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I did a custom bond as well. Um, I was almost defeated by what I view as lesser beings, and my hubris will not allow me to let that person or persons go. Yeah. Um, so I figure that that pretty much tracks because it doesn't see humans as equals and it's it's obsessed with the losers club because they got away and they're not allowed to get away because that's not how this works Mm -hmm. um and then for flaws i'm convinced that no one could ever fool me the way that i fool others yeah so yeah that's its downfall is that actually yes yeah actually actually yes you're fucked so (laughs) Um, the alignment is very obviously chaotic evil, like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no reason to the evil. There's no... Yeah. No, like, at all. So, um, but yeah, so that is my, my Pennywise chaotic evil fallen ASMR warlock. That's so cool. (laughs) I love that. I love that so much. I love that you did a Pennywise. Thank you. It was, it was super fun. I've never, I don't know that I could ever actually play an evil character, but... I could see how this would be sort of a fun thing to put into a certain type of campaign. Yeah, and having it be a villain or, you know, your main bad. Yeah, like a secret saboteur or, you know, like, it, it has its uses, yeah. But it was it was really fun to make, so. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I'm so glad that you made Pennywise. That's, that's good. Thanks, very good. dude. I love it. It's very, very different from my typical thing. I know, right? Yeah, geez. <laughs> I did not go different at all. I I went. <laughs> Yours was so good though. That was super fun, and I would totally, totally want an action in my active party. Right now, I just want to play that. <laughs> I do really like that character build. I was like, this this could be a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds super fun. They both seem fun. Yeah, yeah. Fun all around. Fun for days. Huzzah! Huzzah! Man, groovy times. Groovy, spooky times have begun. Absolutely. Groovy, spooky times abound. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for all the spooks. And we did actually get, like, some cool comments and questions. Yes, you could start reading one while I mute myself and blow my nose. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. Thanks. Uh... Our friend Gaminette on uh, Twitter said that Burton's Sleepy Hollow and The Nightmare Before Christmas are my movies to watch during my most favorite time of year. Um, yeah, I love both of those movies so much. Um, I mean, yes, absolutely. Yeah, and definitely watch them every year. Like, Sleepy Hollow is so beautiful, and everyone in it is so good at their specific character. Like the whole world that that movie creates is very lovely. And you want to just get under a blanket and immerse yourself in it. Absolutely. And I mean, yeah, I watch Nightmare Before Christmas twice a year. So me too. (laughs) Halloween and Christmas. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Got to cover it. Got to cover it all. It's perfect. And I'm, uh, I'm still always enamored by the by the stop motion in in 
Nightmare Before Christmas for what they did, for the time, for everything. It, they did mind-blowing right so ahead of its time like the amount of work that went into that movie that i i don't know that enough people appreciate like absolutely absolutely fucking bonkers and danny elfman like i know my one day future crush of the week for something because i love that guy uh it's gonna happen it's gonna happen it's bound to happen (laughs) probably during spooky month because he's a spooky guy he is a spooky guy he's one of the best spooky guys he definitely is Hard agree. And then our our buddy Benjamin Dewey, um, he asked, have you ever heard of the tabletop RPG Beyond the Supernatural? I always wanted people to play with me, but it was a hard sell for some reason. It's still available and inexpensive. I also love the zombies. There's exclamation points, just so everyone knows I'm not being crazy. Um, Board game. (laughs) So much creepy fun. (laughs) I mean, I've heard of zombies, but I haven't heard of the the first one. That, yeah. Uh, I I looked it up, and it looks it looks really cool. Like it it's like a you know a supernatural horror uh, tabletop RPG. Um, it honestly, I'm surprised that you and I hadn't heard of it before Ben mentioned it because it's like right up our fucking alley. It's like right? super art shit. Crazy these um, things that I don't hear about. Yeah, so I might be ordering that in the future just to have like, Wait, for reasons for, for important you know, reasons exactly for important reasons mm-hmm. yeah research um, research reasons research reasons you know i we, we love spookums and you can never have too many never so too many spookums um and i have heard of zombies but i've never played it so yeah i haven't played it either uh i've i've heard it I, i've heard of it and seen it did i say that i played it i've heard of it and seen it i don't know where i am <laughs> I don't know where I am anymore. <laughs> but yeah, like I'm, I'm always down to check out new games. Um, I, I know a lot of people are not into that style of RPG, um, but I, I would always be down to try anything like that, like you know, Monster of the Week or whatever. Um, Absolutely. Or Powered by the Apocalypse, anything like that. Like that, that shit's really cool. And just because it's like a spooky game doesn't mean you have to play it in an unfun way, like. I think exactly. that's the misconception. I think people get a little off track if that's not their normal jam and they think it's going to be really awful to play. Right. But you can make stuff like that so fun. Right. Like, Look at Amnesty, man. Look at Taz Amnesty. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Like, you can have horrible abominations but still have a good time. Like, still have Bigfoot in a car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um and let's see, uh, our friend Gabe Fisher, uh, he said, the Banshees from ME3 gave me panic attacks when they would show up. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah, they were pretty terrifying. Um, definitely agree. Like, every time, because there's the sound that goes with them, and it's just, it's fucking, it's some creepy shit. There's there's some good creepy enemies in the Mass Effect games. Yeah, I mean, and, and you would expect it being, you know, weird alien monsters from across the galaxy, but yeah, there's some real good ones. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I totally agree on that one. Um, and Bobby, actually, uh, he texted me a question this morning uh, from a job site, Ooh. and <laughs> he said, uh, what is the first thing that you remember reading or watching that really, really scared you? 
So mine, I can definitely say that it's, I, and I can't remember if I talked about it on the show before, but Scary st- Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh, God, yeah. Those books, those creepy books with those illustrations that I... With the fucking Schwartz illustrations? Yes. Yes. They're terrifying. They're terrifying. They're absolutely insane. And they are, I guarantee it's the reason why I am so terrified of spiders. Uh, Yep, the the spiders that were laid in the face. Oh, my God. Like, I can remember that point in my life and and being a kid and being like, I know this is fake, I know this isn't real, but I'm still going to sleep with my covers above my head. And I still do to this day, like, cover up most of my face when I sleep. (laughs) Yep, yep. I still check the backseat of my car every time I get in because of that story, High Beams. Oh, God. Yep. Oh, Uh no. uh, That story is so terrifying. Yeah, it's fucking awful and that book is in like the children's section that like it is yeah i actually i reread it um i want to say maybe two years ago because bobby found a like a copy of it at um this record store and used bookstore that we go to and he remembered me talking about it and it's still scary like it's still scary in my 30s like those illustrations help like, those illustrations are very... Oh, my God, yeah. They, they are just enough, and, and they're so detailed, but also very ethereal and and dreamlike, and they feel like a nightmare, and it's just... They absolutely do. Yeah, the, the Schwartz illustrations are... I, there's nothing else like them. Like, there's, there's nothing else like them that just convey that feeling of being scared like that's what being scared looks like those drawings yeah exactly that that you know the freaking scarecrow in the middle of the field with it's like half of itself missing yeah yeah like i I can think of all of the pictures and none of them are good no none of them are none of them go not so bad yeah no they're all pretty bad they're all pretty bad the only story in there that i remember being like a silly one do you remember the wiper one the window wiper guy Oh, I'm here to wash and wipe your windows. I'm here to wash your windows. I'm here to wipe your windows. Like, yeah. The viper. Yeah, that one. Yeah, Yeah, man. If y'all haven't read Scary Stories to Tell the Dark, check it out. It's a good time. Yeah. Um, It is worth getting a used copy online because they definitely did a reissue um, maybe like five or six years ago with different illustrations and it's not the same why like, would you do that i i don't know i mean maybe in an attempt to make it less scary but, <laughs> but that's the point i know that's the point like yeah so if if you want to read that find a an old used copy online because it's fucking worth it so yeah good. i'm sure you can find most of the stories online honestly like yeah and you can you can image search all of the illustrations and i would definitely recommend it because they're worth seeing they're unlike anything else yeah because that's like it's a it's a pretty old I'm look out when the heck this thing came out because i remember i think i got it for the first time from like a scholastic book fair like it was a book that i ordered yeah same yeah it came out 1981 to 1991 is the publishing date for it it says so jesus yeah it's been out for 40 years now, so. Holy shitballs. <laughs> oh my god, there's a Vulture article for all of the stories ranked. Oh wow, that's fucking cool. I actually want to see how they've ranked them. Um, 
So Big Toe is 82. That's fair. That one's not really, like, scary. It's just kind of weird. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. They ranked Harold at number one, which is the um, the Scarecrow one. Oh, okay. I'm very surprised. Um, but hey, Red Spot is number two. That's the, that's the spider one. Yeah, that is not a... <laughs> Definitely remember the images, though. Like, the couple of images that they have peppered in here, you know giving me heart palpitations but, <laughs> but yeah um, Phew. yeah that's that's a good one i aside from those i think the first thing i ever remember being very very scared of was uh christopher lloyd's meltdown in who framed roger rabbit <laughs> like I remember being absolutely unprepared for that as a child. <laughs> That's fair. And I don't even know that it was necessarily intended to be scary. Like, as an adult, like, it was probably just supposed to be goofy, you know? Right, but as, like, a kid that's kind of, like, jarring. I was just like, oh, fuck, can that happen to your face? What is happening? I do not like any of this. Yeah, yeah, no, that's not a good time. That's not a good time. Like, I remember I, my mom and dad took me to see that movie in theaters. And I remember specifically that night, I had a terrible nightmare that Christopher Lloyd in that movie was in my room and he was just fucking melting. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no, bud. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I mean, these, you know, it happens. There are, there are worse things, but that was, I think that's like one of my earliest, like, things that I remember that specific thing scared me. Like, I would get scared of a lot of different stuff as I was a kid, but that's, like, the first piece of media I specifically remember. Yeah. If I had to pick, like, a visual thing that stuck with me, it wasn't so much that it... I was obsessed with the, um... In in the original Fantasia, the Night on Bald Mountain sequence. Yes, yes. That was my jam, and I watched it, like, all the time from... As for as long as I can remember, I was watching that. So that makes sense. Yeah, that's because that's that's a little spooky. That's a little dark as a kid, you know. Yeah, and I re- but I, it was one of those ones that I remember. I know it's dark and spooky, and and you know, but I I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it though. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that definitely tracks. Yeah. Heck yeah! Spooky time. Aw, yeah. Spook number one, complete. Spook number one, complete. More Um, spooks to come. One of how many, (laughs) we do not know. We'll figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, we have a a good long spook season ahead of us, so. Yeah, I'm excited. It's it's getting cold out. Oh, yeah, I got to wear a hoodie when I took the dog out this morning. Right? It's very exciting. It's very exciting. Good fucking stuff. Good fucking times. But yeah, but yeah, I, I can't think of anything else to say other than that at this at this particular moment in time. So yeah. on that note, I have been Amy. And I have been Shannon. And when all else fails, just like use a lot of fake blood is I think that's what I, I learned from. I, I, I would say that this is general advice, but be it in movies in books or in games do not split the party yeah (laughs) don't don't go into the you know when something is telling you to join us don't like 
leave the cabin in like your night dressing gown and walk outside and go, hello? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, don't investigate any strange noises. Don't go to the lake on the anniversary of the night where the sexy teens were massacred 30 years ago tonight. Yeah, don't do any of that. Don't don't like you know keep the weird trinket that you found like buried in the ground that's you know shaped like a skull or has some weird engraving on it. Don't do that. Don't open the locked jewelry box you found buried in the basement of the house where the family was murdered. Don't don't do any of these things. Just none of them. <laughs> it's not it's not hard to survive the first five minutes of a horror movie, but there's always one. So don't be that one. Yeah, be smart. Follow Randy's rules. <laughs> Randy's rules. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.